Hello and welcome to the latest Eberl podcast. I'm Tina Lehman, the marketing manager here at Eberl, and today we're delving into common questions adjusters receive when handling bodily injury claims. We've got an excellent panel comprised of some of our very own subject experts and site managers. In the studio, we have our moderator, Felicia Hall, who has nearly 20 years claims experience has been working with Eberl since 2012. Hi, Felicia. Welcome. Hi. Also in the studio, as one of our expert panelists, we have Aisha Eason. Aisha has been handling claims for the over 10 years and joined the Eberl team in 2016. Welcome. Thanks for being here, Aisha. Hi, Tina. Thank you. And last but certainly not least, our other panelist, Jan Friday, is on the line calling from Florida. Jan has been in the business for over 10 years and six of them with Eberl. Hey, Jan. Thanks for joining us. Uh, hi. It's good to be here. Now that we've got the introductions out of the way, I'll let you all get on with the good stuff. Take it away, Felicia. All right. Thanks for having us, and uh, thank you for touching on a subject I think that's near and dear to all of our hearts, especially here for the last year or so as we've uh, had our, our adventure into bodily injury claim handling <laughs> with Ebrose and our uh, particular client. So we just kind of wanted to go over the generalities of uh, what bodily injury entails and 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 kind of what we deal with on a day-to-day basis and kind of what you would be dealing with uh, as a insurance adjuster or as a claims adjuster coming into the bodily injury world. Excellent. So um, just a, just a de- definition of bodily injury. Bod- a bodily injury claim is designed to cover the cost associated with injuries to someone else involved in an accident that the our insured or our policyholder is legally responsible for. In other words, if someone is involved in a motor vehicle accident and is injured, he and she would be entitled to two, uh, two things under a bodily injury claim. Uh, one would be their medical bills, and medical bills can kind of branch out into medical bills, lost wages, funeral expenses, um, and then the second portion that makes up a, a bodily injury claim is the intangible part, the pain and suffering. Um, as far as, as evaluating the claim, that is um, more, of the, more of the portion of the claim that you kind of have to um, not make up, but uh, you, you don't have the dollar figures as you would with the medical bills and the lost wages and that sort of thing. So it's more arbitrary. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really is dependent on the particular claims and the particulars of the cl- uh, of the actual claim. Janice, you have anything else to add just on the general definition of that? You know, Felicia, and you're speaking to the definition of a bodily injury claim from a customer standpoint, that sounds like it could be a lot, you know, that would be involved in handling a bodily injury claim. So some of the questions that may come up in the customer's mind or they may even ask their adjuster is, do I need an attorney? You know, they see so many commercials on TV and on the radio about car accidents and hiring an attorney. So they may want to know, well, do I need to get an attorney? That question is strictly, uh, that's something that the individual has to decide for themselves. It's not something that you know, the adjuster can give direction on. It's, it's strictly uh, at their discretion. In terms of the claim, in terms of evaluating the claim, having an attorney is not going to add any value. It's not going to take away any value because the claim itself is going to be uh, handled and, and evaluated strictly 
on the merits of the claim. There's not going to be any addition added for attorney's fees. You know, we're going to uh, evaluate it fairly, the same whether they had an attorney or whether they didn't. But for their own peace of mind or wherever they need that, you know, that's just an individual decision. That's right. So it kind of goes back into the same part of the definition. The value of the claim is based on the medical bills and also the uh, the pain and suffering, whether an attorney is involved or not. Those factors don't change. Um, so we just try to educate the customer that either way, just as you said, Jen, is either way, we're going to evaluate it the same and handle it the same, whether they're represented or not represented. Correct. Exactly right. You know, there are laws, there are statutes that insurers are held to, you know, so uh, having an attorney is, you know, in terms of it, it may make it easier for the customer to get the paperwork together. But to be honest, it's, it's, it's just totally an individual decision on that point. Now, if you have an accident and the customer may want to know, you know, well, what do I, you know, I should... What, what would they need to do? Well, one of the first things that um, the customer would need to do is, first of all, seek medical treatment. You know, if you are, in fact, injured in an automobile accident, you want to make sure that you're taking care of yourself, you get the appropriate care. So seek the medical treatment, get the direction of the physician that you're treating with. The physician will then give you a list of um you know, uh, prescriptions or treatment that is going to be necessary to get you back to the road of recovery. Um, once the treatment is concluded, you'll then want to get with your adjuster or even have your attorney, if someone decides to get an attorney, get with the attorney, get with the adjuster so that they can, you know, appropriately evaluate the claim. So if someone decides that, hey, you know, I'm just going to give this a try myself, not get an attorney involved, you can do one of two things, gather the medical documentation yourself, send those in to your adjuster, or even give your adjuster the authority to obtain the medical bills and records on your behalf. Once all of that documentation comes in, the adjuster will review your case. It's all reviewed on its own merits. Um, go over the documentation, the medical bills, the records, and then make contact with the customer and say, hey, here's what I have. This is, you know, um, what we know about your accident. Here's what we feel the claim is worth. So, again, our, the biggest thing about being in this industry is making sure that we educate the customer, making sure that they're satisfied with the outcome, whether it is they have an attorney or not. We want to make sure that we're doing right by the customer and also doing right by our insurer. We want to make sure that we're paying exactly what the claim is worth. That's it. I think uh, to elaborate on what you just said, the most important part as an adjuster, as you're handling a bodily injury claim, is to make sure that you're explaining the process Correct. absolutely in details. Exactly. Um, yeah, so, I, go ahead, Janice. No, I was just going to say so many times that, you know, that can just help the process mm -hmm. so much when they, you know, want to know what it is they need to do is just knowing the steps, knowing what to expect uh, along the way, and that, that keeping them informed, it, it helps the adjuster to better handle the claim as well, because now they're getting the information that they need sent in to them so that they can do a proper evaluation. 
Absolutely. And as you stated, Janice, keep the customer abreast. You know, always keep the customer informed. Let them know, hey, we've requested your medical bills and records. Set a reasonable expectation of when you're going to continue to communicate with the customer, whether it is by telephone, sending correspondence in the mail, but always keep them abreast so they don't feel like they're on the outskirts and then need to retain attorney um, just because of the simple fact we're not keeping in communication with them. That's a huge, huge, huge part of what we deal with day in and day out with, um, you know, handling bodily injury claims. What about some of the questions that we get as far as treatment? Um, I think one of the questions that I hear a lot of the adjusters dealing with is, well, who's going to pay for this treatment? And are you going to pay for the treatment as I obtain it? Or how does that work? Uh, how, do, how do we, especially with you, Aisha, having come directly from a desk in this particular environment, how do you handle that particular question? Well, a bodily injury claim is actually a third-party claim, meaning your treatment is not paid for until your services are complete. So once you've completed all of your treatment, again, that's when the adjuster is going to gather all of your medical bills and your records and set a, set a value to your claim. Unfortunately, it's not... Um, paid for as your services are rendered. We always recommend to customers, if you have medical coverage on your um, auto policy, you have med pay coverage, talk to your insurance company to find out if you have that coverage available to you. And if so, it's a possibility that they may go ahead and cover your medical bills on the front end. Okay. But um, again, for a bodily injury claim, those bills are not going to be covered until your treatment is actually complete. We set a value to the claim. Once we determine what that value is, you're satisfied with the offer that we make, you would then be responsible to take care of the medical bills out of your settlement costs. We provide you with the um, with the cost for the medical services as well as the pain and suffering. So you'll get a full check. And once that check is issued to you, again, that's when you're going to pay your providers. Always let your providers know, hey, I was involved in a motor vehicle accident. You know, um, they're going to take care of my medical expenses once the treatment is done. And, and they're used to this. This is nothing new to the providers as well. So they know when a third party claim is um, present that they're not going to get paid until the medical bills are, um, until the treatment is actually complete. And that goes more into, like you said, as we were discussing, that goes into explanation Correct. and uh, explaining the claim process. Because you, you're exactly. using terms like uh, first party. Mm -hmm. When you say first party, it, that is defined as your particular insurance contract that you've obtained, that Correct. you pay premiums for, that medical coverage uh, uh insurance that you were talking about would be considered first party coverage. So when we explain that to the customer up front, then they can better understand the process. And it takes away a lot of the anxiousness Absolutely. Uh, of the claim process. When we can explain third party means, okay, now we're paying under bodily injury coverage as and you are a third party, which means you don't, you didn't actually pay for this coverage, but because we are liable or we found ourselves liable for the accident or responsible for the accident mm -hmm. or are insured responsible for the accident, third party, Mr. or Mrs. Insured means you're under that contract. And under third party, we do not, we cannot pay your bills as they are accumulated. We offer you a one-time settlement that includes, and then we go into the explanation of what it includes, the treatment, the lost wages, and then the, uh, your pain and suffering. And we offer you one settlement at the end, and, and that's pretty much how the process works. 
you know, and to your point, uh, Felicia, about uh, being liable, mm-hmm. that is one of the factors that could, in fact, uh, have uh, some effect on the actual monetary amount of the settlement. Correct. Uh, yes, if the uh, insured is 100% liable and they're 100% at fault for causing someone else's damages and their injuries, then, you know, we want to pay 100% of uh, the medicals or injury that's related to the accident that we owe for. But when you have factors where the other party may have contributed some of, of their own negligence to the accident. So now, you know, do we owe 100% of your injuries if you contributed, say, at least 20% of your uh, uh, of this accident, your own self? So that is one of the factors that does, uh, you know, have an influence on what the actual settlement amount is. Right. Uh, there are so many other factors, you know, the, the customer may, may want to know, well, how do my vehicle damages or the facts of what happened in the accident determine what my value is? Uh, if it's a low-speed accident, you know, meaning, okay, we rear-ended you, but we rolled into you, so now you're claiming uh, whiplash and lumbar, lumbar, you know, were you wearing a seat belt? Because now we're talking about the injury causation. What caused the injury? Uh, so there again, we want to ask very thorough, detailed questions to the customer about those types of uh, factors. Were they wearing a seat belt? Where were they seated in the vehicle? Uh, when the impact occurred, if it's a whiplash, were they looking forward? Did they have their head or body turned? So, so many factors uh, that we can gather from the customer, which also goes into evaluating the value of their claim. That's right, uh, Janice. As injury adjusters, we find ourselves being investigators as well. Um, you have to actually, like you said, um, investigate the claim, uh, especially when you have in factors like you were just discussing that might either mitigate or add to a claim uh, value. We actually have to delve into those subjects and explain them to the customer and investigate those issues. Um, just as you were speaking, we were uh, um, about a low speed uh, a low speed accident. Um, we have questions of how you were even sometimes how you were injured in that particular accident. That's right. A, a, a term that we use is the mechanism of injury. If right. that is lacking, if there was not enough force in a particular accident to cause a claimed injury, we actually have to investigate that. That's right. How did it happen? Right. Just like you would say, were you looking left? Were you looking right? Were you not wearing your seatbelt? Because in a particular rear end accident, uh, you have a headrest and usually the force of the impact will cause your body to go backwards into your seat. So if you have a headrest there and we've hit you going two miles an hour, kind of hard to explain the mechanism of that injury causing it an actual injury to you. So those are all factors that absolutely will influence the, the value of the claim. Um, you might have $30,000 worth of medical bills in this particular incident, a low-speed impact uh, accident, 
it's kind of hard to explain or have us uh, an insurance company cover that amount of medical bills if the mechanism of injury, if the force and the accident just doesn't match that. So those are all factors as an adjuster that you will be looking into um, and actually affect the bottom line amount of your uh, payout of your actual claim. Um, and we've talked about things that mitigate. There's also factors that add to the value of a claim at times. There are um, factors such as whether someone was texting and driving, which we all know is um, pretty big right now, as well as driving under the influence of alcohol or drugs. Those type things can certainly contribute to um, the value of someone's claim. If it is determined that someone was texting and driving at the time of the accident, something that is illegal, um, again, you know, you, you put yourself in a situation of having to pay more to someone's claim. Um, another thing, just piggybacking on what Felicia was discussing about the low speed impacts, you know, as a customer, as a claimant, you want to be reasonable. You want to, you know, just ask yourself, hey, you know, this was a very low impact. Um, the treatment that I'm seeking, is it reasonable? Because what you don't want to do is find yourself with out-of-pocket expenses. You know, you have $30,000 in medical bills, but again, you only have let's just say $500 worth of damage to your vehicle, there's not really much mechanism of, of injury there. We can only pay so much for the medical bills, only those medical bills that are deemed reasonable. So again, just, you know, you want to make sure that you're asking yourself if, if in fact what I'm experiencing is related to the accident, because at the end of the day with insurance, it all, it costs all of us, right. you know? So again, you just want to make sure that you're, you're, you're being reasonable in those type of situations. Ladies, when we and Aisha, that's a good point. When we talk about reasonableness, is because as we three are all experienced in injury handling, but I think a lot of times we get a question from either our attorneys or even our uh, claimants. Well, how do you de how do you determine what's reasonable? Where where do we get our reasonable standards from? You know, it's it, when you look at medical bills. Uh, let's say it's a low impact accident and they decided, you know, I do need to go to a chiropractor. Uh, they need to visit about three weeks, two times a week. But when you see people going for an entire year for a low speed impact, that there's minimal to say no damage to the vehicles, because there we want to look at photos and see points of impact and things of that nature. Then we would say, is this reasonable to treat a whole year for uh, a low speed impact, a soft tissue uh, injury? Right. Uh, where we have to ask those questions. You know, is it medically reasonable to have to treat for a year? Right, and it, it is the reasonable per, reasonable person standard, mm -hmm. and a lot of it is 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 based on jury verdicts. You know, a lot of these cases go to jury verdicts, and uh, as you said, a soft tissue injury. In our experience, in all of our claim handling experience, we know that a soft tissue injury will usually heal with no treatment in six to eight weeks, as you said, Janice. So if you're actively seeking treatment, would it be reasonable for you still not to be at a healing point at two months down the road? That is where we get our reasonable standard, and that's where the adjusting part uh, comes into play in it. 
and that goes more into what you have to explain to your customers. A lot of times up front, especially if you're dealing absolutely. with a low-speed impact claim. You Set the expectation. Absolutely. The right. more information you can give them up front will prevent them from going out and running up six months of chiropractic treatment, which can happen. Because right. a chiropractor or any doctor or any person who's providing service is in the business to provide that service. At a cost. At a cost. <laughs> so as, 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 as much service as you can provide is what you do. <laughs> so we have to explain um, in detail what is reasonable and what is necessary. And it, again, it goes into explaining the claim process up front, being open and honest with your customers and educating them. So what do I do if I don't agree with my offer? Well, that, that, that's an interesting point because most times your offer is not going to be agreed with, right? <laughs> In our experience, um, very, very rare are you going to um, settle your claim at, at your initial offer. So when we're evaluating the claim, um, and Janice, you can speak to it as well, we usually evaluate a claim and set a value range for the claim. We call it a, 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 a low range and a high range. So and you'll have yeah, you'll have a range of what your uh, claim value is, and that's usually um, decided by yourself through the evaluation of the claim. And then you also you will usually have a manager that uh, that gets in the boat with you that will either agree or disagree with your particular range. So if you don't, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Janice. No, I apologize for jumping in. I was just going to say it all goes back to having all the information mm -hmm. from the customer uh, and and the, the amount of the actual bills incurred uh, and then making that range. There's no magic formula. Mm -hmm. Correct. That's the most important. There is no magic formula. Um, every claim, uh, we handle it on its own merit. Um so it, you, you will usually have a range, and you will ha within that range you will have what we call negotiations. So as you are trying to come up with a settlement agreement with a party, you are simply going to argue and state your reasons for, for your particular offer. And if the customer does not agree, then you'll continue to have those discussions until you can come to an, uh, a meeting of the mind. And with those dis discussions are just explanations of where we got this range, where these numbers come from, and that sort of thing. And a lot of times it's controlling their expectations up front. And then if they don't agree, then we ask them why and what they value the claim as. Um, and then just tr try to come to some meeting of the mind. You know, it comes also back to from our evaluation of the claim with the information that we have, uh, what we call our strengths and our assertions. You know, our Perfect. assertions are, you know, we caused the accident, we're at fault, we owe for this accident. What are some of the things that, the, that may uh, mean that we don't owe as much as say they may think is because, you know, they had pre-existing conditions. Correct. Uh, they, um, uh, they, they only treated one time. They just had to go to the emergency room. So, you know, your one visit does not warrant uh, a really high amount because you had a, a, a pretty fast turnaround in terms of your healing. Mm -hmm. No additional treatment was necessary. So we look at the factors from both sides. 
So I'd like to ask a question. You bet. As a layman, um, just listening, this has been fascinating, by the way. <laughs> so help me understand, um, you're talking about maybe there's ways that uh, settlement may be decreased mm-hmm. based upon, uh, you know, fancy word contributory negligence or, you know, basically if you had some part in your injury or exacerbating your injuries. So for the third party, mm-hmm. will their settlement be reduced based on actions of the first party? Or is it only based on maybe their negligence in that scenario where their settlement could be reduced? Their own negligence. There are okay. um, laws, of course, according to the sure. state. Um, just using one of the previous exam- examples, someone not wearing their seatbelt. That mm-hmm. is a law in, in most states that you have to wear right. your seatbelt. So if it, is, if, if it is determined that someone wasn't wearing their seatbelt, according to the law, you have to, there's a reduction right there. Okay. So we may determine... Um, again, just based on what the law says, you know, hey, we have to reduce the value of your claim by 20, 25 percent. Because you could have reduced your injury. Absolutely. Had you been wearing your seatbelt and following state laws. Correct. Interesting. And it can work in the opposite way. Um, If our insured happens to be convicted of DUI or something that inflames the claim a bit, Mm -hmm. then in the reverse of what Aisha said, instead of mitigating or taking away the value, that could actually add to the value of the Mm -hmm. claim. Punitive. It's punitive, Mm -hmm. exactly. Some policies allow it, some policies don't, so it's by jurisdiction. However, we as adjusters, what we look are, the way that we like to look at the claim is what, if we put this claim up in front of a jury of 12, Mm -hmm. what would they think? And back to the reasonable person exactly the reasonable, reasonable person standard. standard. Situation. If we were rip roaring and uh, uh, if we were intoxicated, <laughs> you say rip roaring. Yeah, I was Almost flew out. <laughs> if we were intoxicated, that is absolutely something that's frowned on mm-hmm. usually by um, a jury. So that will add to the the amount that we're willing to to sure. to extinguish the claim for. And again, it's yeah. all we're always thinking what it, we have to act in the best interest of protecting our insured. So if it means that that we're paying an extra ten thousand dollars on your claim because you were inebriated, then that's what we'll do and to resolve it. So another question, if you don't mind, um, obviously there's claims handlers that are new, mm-hmm. um, not experts such as you ladies. So it's key to instill confidence in the relationship that you have with that customer. How can you handle inquiries that you maybe don't know the answer to or you're not as skilled in while maintaining that good relationship and keeping confidence between you and the customer? Do you have any tips for that? (laughs) I think I do. Um, One of the things is always making sure that you um, make the customer feel comfortable. It's nothing wrong with not knowing all of the answers, Mm -hmm. but let the customer know, hey, I don't know the answer, but I can certainly get the answer for you and follow up with you. Mm -hmm. And when you Tell the customer you're going to follow up, execute, find out the answer and get back to the customer and, you know, provide the answer to Mm -hmm. them. So, you know, it's it's 75 percent confidence is 25 percent skill. Your Mm -hmm. skill can be learned. Mm -hmm. You know, that's what we're all here for. That's been doing this for a while. We can teach you the skill. We have to work on the confidence and the confidence comes with the more claims that you handle, the more conversations that you have with the customers, the more conversations that you have with the attorney, Certainly. that's going to come. So, you know, don't get boggled down if you don't know something from the beginning. Again, it is definitely going to come as you continue to handle more claims. Sure. 
And that's my claim trainer. Yeah. <laughs> She's excellent. Well spoken. Absolutely well spoken. excellent. <laughs> Absolutely excellent. I think uh, a lot of the confidence comes with knowing your claim as well. So before you pick up that phone to make that phone call to have the conversation on the particular claim, make sure that you're familiar with your claim. Great point. Sure. Make sure you understand, like Janice says, the strengths and mm-hmm. the uh, and the weaknesses of your particular file. Maybe rehearse it a little bit yourself. Ab- absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Anticipate what questions they're going to ask. Absolutely. Yeah. And as we are planning our negotiation strategy, that is one of the things we try to highlight to make sure that you know what the strengths and the weaknesses and even to have a negotiation plan. If customer mm-hmm. says this, then our my response is that. Mm-hmm. Being prepared is the best way to build mm-hmm. it, build your confidence. A lot of the times, most of the time, or most of the claims that we deal with, we're dealing with attorney-represented claims, would you say, girls? Yes. Yeah. Yes. When we go into those negotiations or we hear our adjusters go into those negotiations, what I try to, uh, one of the things I try to build my adjuster's confidence up with is the fact that you will probably be more versed on this particular claim mm-hmm. than the attorney that's being paid to um, represent the claim sure, because they have clients. exactly yeah you have just been concentrated on writing the evaluation that we've talked about based on bills records lost wages mm-hmm. pain and suffering you've been entrenched on writing that evaluation and when you write that evaluation you're writing it and you're usually sending it to your manager to approve mm-hmm. um, so you definitely have to have your T's crossed, your I's dotted, <laughs> and actually know what you're talking about. So you are really an expert on that claim. Mm-hmm. Um, so rely on that. You've spent a lot of time getting that evaluation done, entrenched in those medical records, reading those reports, seeing what the x-ray said. You've read the MRI reports. Mm-hmm. You are the expert. And sure. if you take your position as such, that is a confidence builder right there. Sure. You know, the other part of that is the customers themselves, if if they've never been in an accident before, this is something new for them, as the expert on the claim, as the one, you know, showing empathy with that customer. Absolutely. We see claims all day, every day. So you still want to continue to show empathy with that customer and build a rapport with that customer. Excellent. So that at the points when you do have to talk to them over time, as you mentioned, the confidence will come. Because, you know, you were talking to a human being, this person's been injured, you know, and so having that empathy with them and just it, over time you have that rapport established and that kind of helps build the confidence as well. Yeah, that's an excellent point, Janice. Sure. Well, everyone wants to know that someone cares right. Absolutely. about what right. happened to them and mm-hmm. that somebody's listening and, you know, to, to those people, their claim is the only claim. Absolutely. So I think right. that's an excellent point. Excellent point. So I'm going to kill you with one more question here. Sure. Because it's interesting and I'm just <laughs> of new things. Um, so you had mentioned in the beginning, obviously, somebody calls in and you say you need to seek treatment, obviously, mm-hmm. if, if you have medical issues and things like that. Is there ever a way that we we get into trouble perhaps guaranteeing coverage in that scenario? Um, we don't want to lead people to believe that those bills will be covered. However, we want them to seek treatment. Is that a, a concern? And that's why we're always really careful in saying that. Mm-hmm. If you are injured and you feel that you need to seek treatment, please seek the advice of a medical professional. Sure. You need to follow the medical professional's advice. Okay. In the end, we 
again, we're, we're not a, medical we're, professionals. We're not medical professionals, yeah. and we are a third party coverage for you. Yeah. So we, at the end, once that treatment is, uh, you've received that treatment, you'll turn all of that over to us. We will evaluate it as long as we can find it related to the claim, mm-hmm. related to this particular accident. Then those, as long as they're, because you go back into the reasonable and customary amount yeah. of the bills, as long as those b- bills are reasonable, then they will usually be covered. But up front, we can only say we cover reasonable and necessary medical charges. Gotcha. And, and, and we have to kind of leave it at that. And that'll keep you from promising or getting into any exactly. kind of trouble on that. Right? Exactly. So that that is pretty much just in a nutshell the <laughs> handling of a bi claim it can get so much more I was complicated say, i'm sure than we could that. talk for days and days absolutely on this subject. <laughs> and hopefully you ladies will come back again and um enlighten us with your knowledge for another absolutely. session we can probably dig into another issue um i'd like to say just that was really interesting just from a personal standpoint professionally i don't have a lot of experience in this area so it's interesting to learn about and you know, God forbid I ever had a claim. I know I'd be in good hands with any <laughs> one of you. You can always call us. Feel comfortable with the process. And, and I do like especially what you said of having compassion, having empathy. Mm-hmm. Yes. And communication is key. Yes. I think so many problems in handling any type of claim, whether it's bodily injury or property, is a lack of communication and not managing expectations. Exactly. Um, exactly. If you're going to call someone, you call them when you say you're going to call them. Absolutely. If there's information coming their way, yep. let them know and then hold yourself to that standard. Right, right. And at Ebrels, that is one of the things that we pride ourselves on, um, especially um, training and bringing up our adjusters, is the empathy part of it. It's what we feel sets us apart as a firm, Mm -hmm. um, is to make sure that we not only teach the nuts and bolts of claim handling, but also the fact that you have to handle each, each person as if you... Or as you would want to be handled. Exactly. You you have to face these claims every day with empathy. Um, and mm-hmm. if you can master that part of it, the rest of it can be too. It, it, it's just gravy. The nuts and bolts of it. Yeah. Are, are possible. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. You have to have that human touch. It, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, once again, I thank you, ladies. We'll wrap it up for today, and hopefully, we'll have you in the studio again soon. We'd love Thanks, to. Thanks, Tina. All right. Thank, thank you, you, Tina. Tina.